Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris Akomi-Chaus, welcoming you back to another episode. We will be continuing our path through all the divisions in the NFL. Uh, We are nearly uh, completed the AFC. We will be diving into the AFC North, completing the AFC East and the AFC South on previous shows. So we will continue to dive in until concluding the AFC altogether. But we wanted to dive into what's been going on so far since the last show. There has been a lot of news. But first, I want to plug the ADF Playbook. That is the Fantasy Football Guide for 2020. To all the listeners, it is now available on Amazon. Wherever you shop on Amazon, uh, whatever area in the world you are, it is available for purchase. This draft guide is phenomenal, people. I put in a ton of work into this thing. It will help you get your championship trophy on your banner wherever you are. And it is just chock full of goodness. It's 128 pages, 300 plus player and defense evaluations, draft strategy for 2020. Just like I said, it is loaded. Put my heart and sweat into this thing. Trust me, it is well worth the money. Go ahead, support your man, support your boy. Go and buy that thing on Amazon. Paper copies available today. So jumping back into the news of the week before we get started on what's the AFC uh, North is looking like. So we did have the controversy happening about what the NFL is going to do when it comes to signing their agreement with the players for safety precautions. And that was being held up for quite some time. The vote did pass through. The players did approve. Um, but the writing never, the signed paper didn't come to fruition until I believe a few days ago. We are the 9th of August. I believe it, it uh, the final, uh, the finality came on the 7th where all players had the right to opt out until the 7th of August. Meaning if they chose, they couldn't, they didn't want to play this season they had that choice they would receive a sum of uh, money cover them for the season but they would essentially lose out on what they were going to be earning this season so some quite notable names on that list we'll start with this so the Buffalo Bills lost Starla to Lele defensive tackle that is a big loss for them on that defensive line Uh, he is the most notable name to come out from the Bills I believe they had EJ Gaines as well opt out but I mean he was more going to be a secondary piece but Star is a big factor on that defensive line I think that's going to be a big loss for for this Bills defense, who is pegged to be a top three, if not one of the best in the NFL this season on the defensive side. Moving ahead, the Kansas City Chiefs had Damian Williams and Larnett Duvernay-Tardif. They also opted out. So the the Tardif, uh, Duvernay-Tardif uh, news came out because he is, a, I believe he is an MD student and he has taken uh, the uh, choice to continue the fight against COVID-19 in the hospital, on the front lines, and he has chosen not to play this season uh, for for that regard. When it came to Damian Williams, I thought this one was a little bit of a, a scratching the head. Uh, I, I was scratching my head because I couldn't understand why he would have opted out. But I mean, again, no hatred toward any player who chooses uh, this route. I mean, they're taking family first uh, and, and the precautions to keep whomever's in their circle safe. So Damian Williams has also opted out, which has uh, Twitter lit on fire with the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire support and and whatnot I mean they are all banking on Clyde now being the top guy in Kansas City which isn't unfeasible I mean we could see it as well but that is a massive thing for fantasy football owners that Damian Williams has opted out as well Miami Dolphins they saw Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns opt out I mean Albert Wilson was a little bit of a question for me I am he likely would have been a a top target outside of uh, uh, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams I mean outside of uh, uh, Jakeem Grant and Isaiah Ford I mean Wilson he was still vying for targets and he would have been extremely usable in this offense as for Hearns I think he would have been a camp uh, casualty anyway The New England Patriots, uh, they were the ones that actually set the tone with having, I believe, seven or eight players opt out from playing. Matt Lacoste, the tight end, Marquise Lee, wide receiver, Patrick Chun, safety, Deontay Hightower, linebacker, Brandon Bolden, running back, Marcus Cannon, 
offensive tackle, and Danny Vitale, fullback. These are all players that the New England Patriots used a lot last year, with exception of uh, Marquise Lee and uh, Matt Lacoste. But, I mean, Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower were massive pieces on this uh, defense. I mean, this completely takes away two star-studded uh, uh, performers on a defense that already saw a lot of losing, missing pieces this offseason of free agency. So, I mean, we, uh, we're we actually very shocked to see how many players left the, the Patriots uh, to opt out and choose that opt-out route. Dante Hightower, he is their main linebacker. They're going to have holes up that middle like nobody's business. Brandon Bolden, okay, maybe I overspoke, but he is he's, a, he's still a secondary back that was used a lot, and I mean the way that they might be running their uh, offensive season, running back is going to be a premium for sure. And Marcus Cannon, the offensive tackle, huge blow to that offensive line for Cam Newton to have that protection, but he has also chosen the route to opt out. So a huge losses for the New England Patriots. It should be felt throughout this season, no question about it. The New York Giants lost Nate Solder, left tackle to uh, the opt-out as well. So this is a big one as well. I mean, uh, Soldier, uh, Solder, he wasn't uh, necessarily playing his best football last season, but the way in which the New York Giants tried to revamp and improve this offensive line this offseason, I mean, this, this is a massive blow once again to keeping uh, Daniel Jones off the turf and to open up the holes for Saquon Barkley. New York Jets, the other New York team, they lost C.J. Mosley. Unbelievable. I can't believe Mosley, he opted out as well, but this had to have been on the back end of seeing Jamal Adams traded to the Seattle Seahawks, which also happened in between our last show and today. I mean, Jamal Adams, he went uh, to the Seattle Seahawks in in return for, I believe it was two first-round picks and maybe some change. But, I mean, that was a massive deal as well, sending him over there. So I could only imagine C.J. Mosley was extremely frustrated and decided to opt out simply because Adams was no longer on the club and he could see a, a, a season of dismay coming to his direction. The last notable name on our list that we saw was the Philadelphia Eagles' Marquise Goodwin. He also decided to opt out for family purposes, family reasons, and we don't uh, we don't question that whatsoever. So, I mean, those are the notable names who did choose to opt out as we start training camp uh, for the 2020 regular season. I mean, as it as it stands right now, it's shaping up to be like we're going to be having some football. I mean, this is great news for all those of us who are dying for the game, who cover the game, and 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 love. Watching watching football period I mean for fantasy football owners this is great our drafts can now move forward in hopes that nothing will transpire that will derail the entire season so uh, fingers crossed I mean we do have uh, that is basically the the trending news from the last time we had the show so let's dive in to the AFC North I mean we have some good teams in this division this year, we have obviously the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. We got Cleveland Browns who are up and coming. Pittsburgh is coming back with Big Ben coming off the injury, Juju Smith coming off the injury, and so on. And we do final uh, finalize with the Cincinnati Bengals who are up and coming now. So we'll kick it off with the Baltimore Ravens with last year's league MVP. Uh, fantasy football dynamo magician however you want to call him Lamar Jackson he is coming back to lead this club in hopes that he can take this club to the Super Bowl I mean when you look at this team on paper we'll start offensively we'll start actually with Lamar Jackson let's kick it off there so he was last year's league MVP he blew everybody out of the water this offense was tailored perfectly by coach Harbaugh to have the read option, to have the RPOs in place where they could be exploited perfectly. And I mean, Lamar Jackson is the next coming of Michael Vick. Perhaps he is even better on the ground. I mean, everything was just working. I mean, nobody had a clue on how to stop this club outside of the Cleveland Browns during the season where they did uh, catch a win and they were stifling Lamar. And then in the playoffs when when uh, the Titans did the same thing. So, I mean... This team is built on paper, and we've seen it on tape. They are built nearly to perfection. I mean, this this offensive line is still extremely stellar. They open up all the holes for this ground game, and yet again, this ground game will be run heavy in 2020. No question about it. We have Lamar, who is the dynamic running ability. He can find lanes. He makes plays by himself. But I know it's the unpopular opinion. I have spoken about him before. And my suggestion is I do, it's not that I, I 
don't believe he can be. He, I want to see more of it. And I'm speaking of him becoming that, that great passing quarterback. I mean, yes, he had what 36 touchdown passes last season. So everyone questions, how can you have that opinion about Lamar Jackson when he had that many touchdowns? And I mean, it's clear it's off the, it's off the RPO off the play action fake. And I mean, this is where these guys are getting open. When you look at his receiving core, it is Mark Andrews. I mean, he's the stellar one that's taken majority of the passes. And then when you dissect through the receiving core, I mean, there isn't a whole heck of a lot to get excited about outside of Marquise Holly. Hollywood Brown. So when I say I want to see Lamar Jackson improve as a passer, it's it's to be that pocket guy. But I get it. This isn't his game. Um, there is worry that if he continues to run, I mean, we've seen Coach Harbaugh talk and say they want to scale back his running uh, attempts this season. And I mean, could that be why they went out and got J.K. Dobbins in the draft? That is very possible. I mean, now you have Mark Ingram, you have J.K. Dobbins, and 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 you have this basically this three-headed monster with Lamar Jackson to be this super run-heavy squad who who is going to be virtually unstoppable um, this season. So I, I really wonder if they're going to be able to take away from that run game basically on how they're built they're built exactly the same they didn't do a whole heck of a lot to improve the wide receiver room uh, outside of Devin DuVernay so I mean when it comes to Lamar Jackson I truly I think it's a lot of coach speak when he says when Harbaugh says that he wants to dial back the runs from Lamar but he is uh, what do you call it he is all about the read and and uh, reaction. He he will see what the defense gives him, and if he doesn't like it, he's just naturally going to take off because that's what his athletic ability is telling him to do. Um, if he takes a couple big hits, but he's big enough to embrace those hits. He's not as thin as, say, like a uh, Robert Griffin III when he took all that punishment and his career basically ended before it started. Lamar is built pretty well. He is built like Michael Vick, where even Vick didn't take as many hits in his career. He was able to, he would have been uh, having that long Longevity had he had not gone to prison for his indiscretions. But I mean, Lamar Jackson is built very strong, very well. So when others say, will he get injured because of all the running? I, I, unless it's a massive cheap shot or a blindside hit, I think Lamar knows exactly what he's doing. I really want to see uh, more dedication to the craft in the passing game where we can have someone like Hollywood Brown be that 1,000-yard receiver because for fantasy football purposes, I don't know if they will have one this season. I don't think Hollywood will make it there again just simply based on how this offense is uh, 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 built right now on paper. They don't necessarily have that supportive piece unless DuVernay becomes that. So let's move to the running backs, and we have Mark Ingram and we have J.K. Dobbins, super rookie. Love this backfield. We still have Gus Edwards, and we still have Justice Hill in the back waiting for his turn. So here's the thing about this this running back room. So everyone is down on Mark Ingram this season simply because he has now this super young rookie who reminds me literally of Ray Rice, but he can actually catch the ball, and and his comp is all over the tape. He's got that, that combo of speed. And, and power, and I'm talking about Dobbins right now, that it just makes him such an electric running back. Um, but when it comes to Mark Ingram, he still has two years left on his contract. He, uh, the Ravens have the ability to get out from under his deal next season without much dead cap. So I really, truly believe that they will run Mark Ingram into the ground this season and then send him packing next year, depending on how Dobbins uh, uh, performs. Um, but for the sake of our, for the argument's sake, I mean this this offense put up what five, over 520 rushes uh, last season, and that's with Gus Edwards, uh, with Mark Ingram, and then Lamar Jackson. Now you add Dobbins. I mean this offense can definitely support, especially the way they're built. They can support all three of them running very free and and with a lot of volume. We could easily see Mark Ingram go back over the 200 carry mark without even uh, blinking. And then you give you give the next man, uh, you get Dobbins, his carries anywhere from 150 to 170, and then Lamar Jackson takes the rest. And then you have Gus Edwards and Justice Hill uh, playing cleanup. I mean, they get the the, the rest, uh, the remaining of the uh, scraps that are left from the attempts. But when it comes down to Mark Ingram, he will again be that trusted playmaker in 
this offense. He had, what, 15 touchdowns last year total, both on the ground and through the air. So, I mean, I don't see a whole heck of a lot, uh, of, a lot of that changing. I think Ingram is still going to be that trusted running back, and I believe you're going to see Dobbins pick up steam as the season wears on to keep Ingram healthy for a long uh, playoff run, hopefully for them. I mean, this is where we saw kind of uh, the, the Ravens kind of slip a little bit is when Ingram went down with that injury. He was playing hurt into the postseason, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, this is, this is, I believe, the formula. You're going to see Ingram start strong, and then as we get to like week 10, week 12, you might start to see Dobbins picking up steam, uh, especially for the fantasy playoffs. He, Dobbins might be that guy to own. I think if you draft Mark Ingram, I think it could be warranted to use Dobbins as that handcuff just to cover your bases so you see if anything does transpire, you can, you can swap him in and out as you choose. And I mean, that's your flex play all day long. But I love this Baltimore backfield. I mean, they can, they, they're going to be supported. I mean, 500 carries is astronomically insane. And I think that they will be able to handle a heavy, heavy workload once again. So as we spoke about Mark Andrews, we'll, we'll continue down the playmakers here. And Mark Andrews was the tight end playmaker who basically he was getting a lot of hype coming into last season and he, he lit it up. I mean, he could easily this year progress into that next level of upper echelons tight ends, just like the Travis Kelsey, the George Kittle, the Zach Ertz. I mean, we're talking in the same category, in my opinion. The talent is definitely there. I believe the uh, the work and the prog- uh, progression, the productivity will continue to increase as well for Andrews. I mean, again, this is the staple. I mean, yes, they did lose Hayden Hurst, so the next man up is going to be Nick Boyle. They love the double tight end sets in Baltimore. This also helps you with the run game. I mean, so when you have double tight ends, who both who can catch, Boyle, he can also catch. But, I mean, Hurst was the same way. He would play in the double set. He would block. Andrews would go over the middle, and then he would be wide open on that RPO. So, I mean, this is exactly how this defense is going to uh, – or this offense, excuse me, is going to continue to play. When you have a speed burner like Hollywood Brown to pull the coverage, it's very difficult for safeties to pin in the box because one of them still has to be playing deep. And then the other safety obviously is going to be covering with hopeful double teams with the linebacking core while he's crossing over the middle. This offense is extremely difficult to stop, but I truly believe that you're going to see a lot of clubs watch the film from the playoffs and how they were stymied. And 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 you saw this. So then this backs my argument as well about Lamar Jackson. So when he was playing from behind and he couldn't find open lanes to run, he really struggled to find receivers down the field. This is going to be the pedigree of all defensive coordinators and how they're going to approach playing the Ravens in 2020. Will it happen for every defense? No, absolutely not, because his athletic ability will take him over the top so I believe you could see Lamar Jackson then elevate his game in the past game to make things that much better for him and this team but Andrews to me going back to him right now I mean Andrews is going to be another dynamo could we see him go over 1,000 yards I don't think it's out of the question whatsoever I think it is the same pedigree that all those other teams with those elite tight ends uh, managed to play like the Kansas City Kelsey always over a thousand Kittle over a thousand I mean this is just how it goes right so I think if he doesn't get to that thousand he's going to be very very close where it's 850 to 950 yards he's going to be very sound again this season so when we dive into the wide receiver group so like I, I've been saying already you had Marquise Hollywood Brown you have Miles Boykin who is the next man up in the rotation and then you don't have a whole heck of a lot you got Willie Sneed you got Chris Moore you got Jalen Scott who has has some ability that I really liked, but he just simply can't get it all together on the field. Then you have rookie Devin Duvernay. You have rookie James Prochet. I mean, and then you have some other guys waiting in the wings who may not make the club. So we'll start off. Hollywood Brown, to me, is that guy that you can trust. He is your deep threat play. He is a touchdown uh, uh, maker. I mean, he's electric. He's going to burn you downfield. Lamar has the cannon to get it to him, the accuracy to drop it in the bucket, and that's what we saw last year. What I want to see is more of that. If I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, if I'm on the coaching staff, I tend to exploit this a little bit more. I mean, you have the play-action pass there and viable and ready to exploit the defense. So if your safety is pinching, now all you have to do is let Hollywood go deep and you can burn this defense 
12 times a year for touchdown shots. I mean, this has the makings of being that dangerous. Um, all they need to bring it to put it together is that secondary wide receiver option. I mean, so for me, when I see a lot of people talking up uh, Miles Boykin, I don't dislike Boykin. I think he's got skills. But, I mean, if he hasn't been able to beat out Willie Sneed to this point, and, I mean, we see the coaches continue to trust Willie Sneed. He's always on the field taking those snaps. And I want to see that kind of transition because Sneed hasn't been able to replicate anything since coming over from the Saints and how he was performing with them. I mean, so what I actually want to see is Devin DuVernay be that next guy up. This kid is phenomenal. When you watch his tape, he was that reception king in college. I mean, he was unstoppable. He is a very uh, uh, stout, put-together player. He doesn't have the height and the length, but he does have that breakaway speed over the burst. I mean, he will just cook you once he gets the, the, the ball in his hands. He is extremely difficult to take down. His body control is absolutely fabulous. He has great hands. He's a yak yard machine, yards after catch. Just a machine. He's extremely athletic, extremely beefy frame and I mean he always gets separation that's what I found extremely interesting about DuVernay I believe truly if they can have and it's going to be very difficult because they do play the double tight end set but if they can put DuVernay on the field where he is running those shallow crosses opposite of Mark Andrews I think you got a real dangerous offense coming to you in this pass game if they go that route I mean I think they're going to give Boykin the shot because he does play the outside so he'll play opposite of Hollywood Brown um, but anytime DuVernay is in the game I think you got to keep an eye on this because I think he's going to play extremely extremely well this offense is put together well enough to challenge for the Super Bowl to come out of the AFC versus uh, the other top teams but they are very very sound no question about it so when we dive into the defense they did sign a couple players to help the cause and they they got a trade we'll start there with Calais Campbell from the Jacksonville Jaguars are you kidding me Jacksonville you shipped away one of the best defensive linemen when it comes to run stuffing, when it comes to rushing the quarterback in Calais Campbell, and you gave him to the Baltimore Ravens. Isn't this a scary thought? You add that with free agent signing Derek Wolf. You had Brandon Williams already there. So, I mean, this defensive line is is exactly what the Ravens needed. So they this is predicated on the fact because they could not stop Derrick Henry in the playoffs. Um, they're not going to let that happen again. Be with the signing of Calais Campbell, they, they definitely are not going to let that happen again. Derek Wolf is no slouch himself. He can get after the quarterback. He is very good in run defense as well. When it comes to the rushing prowess on this team, you still have Pernell uh, McPhee. You still have Matt Judon. I mean, those guys are your, your rushers off the edge. You add Calais Campbell, and you have Judon and McPhee going ears pinned back and they're going after the quarterback they are going to be a nightmare to block i am not even kidding this front seven is going to be electric you have also the linebackers you have rookie patrick quinn coming in and malik harrison coming in also a rookie patrick quinn is a very interesting prospect to me he comes from lsu had a very sound career there he still is only 21 years old so he could be viewed as a little bit raw he was a little undersized i get it so for anybody that wants a middle linebacker you're looking at that 6263 range. I mean, uh, uh, Patrick Queen, he comes in at almost six foot, if not just under. So, I mean, that is the question mark. But this kid, he can play. He's a baller. He likes to tackle. As long as he can keep everything in front of him, that defensive line and the rushers are going to make his life extremely easy. As for the secondary, I mean, what what is there not to like on this secondary? You have Marlon Humphrey, who I will eat my words because I said I wasn't necessarily sold on his ability, but I mean, he's proven more and more that he is the real deal. He covers lockdown. He, he's right on those receivers, and on top of it, he tackles like a glorious machine. He You don't see that very often from defensive backs who can tackle. He reminds me a little bit of Antoine Winfield back in the days who could do it all in that respect. You have Earl Thomas playing free safety. He is obviously the catalyst from the former C, uh, Seattle Seahawks. He played last year with the Ravens and, and showed what his ability on the field can do for any defense. So 
he is back as well. Marcus Peters remains that trade with the LA Rams, and he it seemed he he found new life with the Ravens as the season uh, uh, wore on. He was just a machine taking touchdowns to the house, and and I mean he's there. I mean the 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 only question mark we have for Peters is can he continue to keep up that level of play as we have seen it drop off when it came to the Kansas City Chiefs, when it came to the Rams, and then and then now with the Ravens. So hopefully he can keep up that level of play. But when you start looking at this defense as well, I mean, they got depth in their defense, but their starters are absolutely phenomenal. This roster as a whole is ready to take that next step to uh, challenge for Super Bowl supremacy. And and at this point, I mean, what can we say? Uh, they got to still be the favorites of this division uh, without question. So they will be my division winner for the AFC North, um, barring any major injury to Lamar Jackson. But as we continue, I mean, this this division, just like the AFC South, has three teams who could challenge for the division title. And we'll kick it back now here with the Cleveland Browns before we jump into anybody else. So the Cleveland Browns on paper are built like a Madden squad. There is there is no question about it. They are just littered with talent and they greatly underachieved last season. So first and foremost, they get rid of uh, their general manager, they get rid of the head coach again, and they bring in head coach Kevin Stefanski from the Minnesota Vikings, who was their offensive coordinator. In my opinion, this was uh, very close to a stroke of genius because I really want to see him as a head coach before I make that that claim. Um, yes, was he, Stefanski I'm speaking of, was he under the tutelage of Gary Kubiak in Minnesota last, last season? Absolutely. Um, will he have taken enough to bring it over to be the head coach and run this team smoothly. It's still yet to be seen, but I have my optimism hat on. I believe he is the right man for this job. I believe that he can get everything out of Baker Mayfield just simply based on how his offensive system is run. He is also a run-heavy coach. This division is going to be ground and pound and defense all day long. I really have to start with the let's kick it off with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield to me still is something of an enigma because of how he performed a season ago. And again, Freddie Kitchens, the head coach, he was he wasn't he didn't seem ready to me to be that guy who can who can uh, uh, teach and and produce a top end talent like Baker. There's no question about it. Baker is talented beyond belief. He can he has the accuracy. He's got enough of the arm to make things happen. So there was a lot of question marks from last year's team. The off Offensive line was a little shoddy, uh, didn't get enough protection. The run game was still stellar, and the fact is that he couldn't get the chemistry on the same page with Odell Beckham. Those were the biggest uh, problem markers that we noticed coming from last season. So with Stefanski now on board, a lot of that has been rectified for Baker Mayfield. The offensive line has improved. They added to the tight end position, which will help. And you have running backs galore that have supreme talent, all-star talent. So can Baker Mayfield do the damage that needs to be done in this division? I think it can happen, but Baker has to play in the system this season. Learn the game. Learn it properly. Understand the defenses and what they're giving you, but use the run game. You have two stellar runners who can support you. Exploit the play-action pass just like the other teams in your division will. This will be your best friend, Baker Mayfield. So maybe I should have kicked it off first with all the other skill positions to paint the picture of how I see this this offense running. So we'll start with the running back room. Or actually, we'll start with the offensive line because I, I like those guys up front. I mean, this is what gets the, the offense moving. So they did draft Jarek Willis Jr. Massive draft pick on that left tackle. That is going to do wonders wonders for the bookends uh, to protect Baker Mayfield. And on top of that, they signed Jack Conklin away from the Tennessee Titans to uh, anchor the right tackle. Like I said, the bookends are now covered. Baker Mayfield truly has no excuse now 
unless these guys falter. Your inside interior line was still good with Joel uh, Batino and, and J.C. Treader. I mean, you had the inside of the line already very, very stout. This wasn't the issue. It was your bookends. So now, yes, you do have a rookie coming in, but he is world class. I mean, I mean, the comps were out. He was, he was ready to be a top pick in the draft, and he will come in day one as the starter. So with the offensive line rectified, we'll go to the tight end group where the, the Cleveland Browns signed Austin Hooper to the squad. Here's the thing. Everyone wants to believe that Austin Hooper was this revelation of a pass catcher in Atlanta. It was the system in Atlanta that exploited the ability of Hooper's size, and, and that could also be the case here. But if you go back and look at Kevin Stefanski, Coach Stefanski's pedigree from Minnesota, what was his offensive system predicated upon it was about the offensive line the dual tight ends Kyle Rudolph has been with the Vikings for many many seasons Austin Hooper is built very similarly to a Kyle Rudolph we could literally see Austin Hooper play on the line a whole heck of a lot more to help protect Baker Mayfield to help open the running lanes for these running backs don't think otherwise. We will see Hooper be used a lot in the red zone, in short yardage, absolutely. But his numbers will definitely regress outside of touchdown catches. That is a place that I could see Hooper's statistics continue to increase and inflate because he is that mismatch. He is that great big man in the opportunity in the red zone to get those uh, touchdowns. I think that's where you'll see Austin Hooper be used in this offense. David Njoku, he could be that supportive piece when Hooper's on the line. He is the, the, the tight end who goes out to play receiver. So perhaps we see his role increase on those double tight end sets. But it's going to be very difficult because you have who? You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Jarvis Landry as your one-two punch. Is it any coincidence that the Cleveland Browns didn't add any more real big pieces to this receiving core? Yes, they still have Rashard Higgins. Outside of that, there isn't a whole heck of a lot to get excited about. What are we talking about? Damian Ratley? We're talking about Taiwan Taylor? Taewon Taylor, excuse me. I mean, we're not talking about these guys because they're not going to see the field a whole heck of a lot outside of spelling out Landry or Beckham so here is more proof to the pudding that the double tight end set will be used more frequently and you're still going to continue to use Landry and Odell Beckham on the outside I mean you could see obviously the slot the slant route for Landry come into play where he does play the slot more often than not but I mean could you see Higgins and a triple triple wide out sure you could but I really truly believe you're going to see a majority of the time it's going to be double tight end sets for this offense so that they can exploit the pass and perhaps we see Odell Beckham now take the next step and be the true uh, trusted number one wide receiver on this offense because it was the safety blanket in Landry that Baker continued to support because he couldn't seem to find Odell as frequently as he wanted. I mean, yes, Odell still managed to get over 1,000 yards, but it was a pedestrian 1,000 yards. It's not the OBJ we know in the past where he's making electric plays down the field. It just wasn't there with Baker Mayfield. Perhaps now with the protection all cleared up, perhaps with Austin Hooper playing more on the line, creating those mismatches when he does go out. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for opposing defenses to cover every single player on this offense. And we haven't even spoken about the running backs. So let me paint this picture. I am emphatically supporting Nick Chubb this season as a top earner, especially in fantasy football. If you're listening, fantasy owners, be on the Nick Chubb train. He is going to kill it this year behind this line behind the 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 play calling of Kevin Stefanski it is going to be brilliant look what he was able to do Stefanski what he was able to do with Dalvin Cook last season this is what you're going to see you're going to see that over 20 points per game from Nick Chubb so the argument comes into play well what about Kareem Hunt they have Kareem Hunt they're not just going to fade him they need to play him as well so then 
On the flip side, if they're not going to use the double tight end set, is it possible we see Kareem Hunt play more slot presence as well? That is also very possible. I wouldn't rule that out one bit. Is it going to be out of the question to see Kareem Hunt steal some of the workload from Nick Chubb? Absolutely he will. There's no question about it. But if you're going to say that Nick Chubb is not going to have over 200 carries, 225, 230 carries, you're kidding yourself. This offense will have enough touches, excuse me, to support both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in fantasy football, and they will both be productive. There is no question about it. Even if Baker Mayfield does struggle, if he goes back and struggles again this season, they will lean on the ground game that much more. And if one guy does get injured, the other guy's value skyrockets through the roof. Um, I have nothing but positives to speak on this offense, but again, going all the way back to our initial point of what Baker Mayfield is going to be this season, it is all on his shoulders. He has no more excuses. This is his season. Yes, I understand Baker is still young. He is still learning the game, but I mean, this is the same thing we're talking about Josh Allen in Buffalo, are we not? I mean, the time has come. We have to see it on the field. Third season. Let's see what you can do. The 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 front office has built you a squad to be extremely successful and it's on you to now make that happen. So I do believe in the Browns to be better this year. I wasn't all on board this uh, the season prior. I, I still had question marks, but I, now I truly think that they have the right pieces in place on the, the coaching staff, on this offensive line to make things continue to move forward. As for the defense, so they did get a, a, a Miles Garrett back from that. I believe he had to do that reinstatement. Um, so he is back. Uh, this was this was quite a while ago. Uh, Miles Garrett, he was reinstated and allowed to continue now with the Browns. He is a beast. I mean, in his own right, he is one of the best uh, defensive ends in the fo- in the uh, in all of football. Um, no question about it. He just has that motor, that high-end motor that just continues to go, and he will be the focal point of this defense moving forward. They still have Sheldon Richardson. They still have Oliver Vernon. Uh, so, I mean, uh, Olivier, Ver- Olivier Vernon. Sorry, I keep missing his name. But, I mean, this this defensive front is solid. I mean, it's stacked with what they have uh, to work with. No question about it. Where I am concerned about this defense is in the linebacking core where they have rookie uh, uh, Jacob Phillips, they have Sano Takiyaki, and they have Mark Wilson. I mean, Wilson is the returner from last season, um, but I really question um, how well they're going to be able to stop the run. Outside of the defensive front, if they get, if these running backs get through, they're going to have a, a very hard time um, stopping them in the mid-range of the field. I think that um, a, a team like Baltimore could have a field day if they can break the line, which they, they've shown that they can. Um, with especially with this linebacking core being as soft as they are. They did pick up B.J. Goodson to help in depth. I think you might see him play more often than you think, simply because uh, the rookie Jacob Phillips is something of a question mark. I haven't studied his tape enough to make a great opinion on him. He does have good size. He still is very young. Um, he comes from LSU. Um, uh, not as quick, um, but I, 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 I haven't, like I said, studied his tape enough to make a, a, a total opinion on the man, but I still really truly feel that this uh, linebacking core is, is quite soft. The secondary did see some improvement where they did get Carl Joseph um, from the Raiders. I, I like that move a lot. I don't know why the Raiders were so down on Joseph and wanted to get him out the door. He is a true playmaker as well. Teaming up with Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams and I'm a massive Denzel Ward supporter. I think he is the true real deal lockdown corner. He can do it all. I mean when you have him on that side of the field, it allows you to do so many more things with your defense and scheming potential. And that's where Carl Joseph could come into play to help in run support, to help that linebacking core. So, I mean, this defense still has some pieces they need to put in place. I don't think they're put together all that well 
uh, holistically just yet. I do believe they're at least three or four big, big pieces or secondary pieces away from being a, a dominating group. So um, I do like them a lot. They will challenge in games, but as it comes for them and the Ravens, it's going to be very difficult for them to supplant the Ravens from uh, becoming the division winner once again. So moving to the next club we have is the Pittsburgh Steelers, the other team that is vying for the division crown, and I believe they have a shot. I really do. I think with Big Ben coming back off that injury, barring health, so Ben is the question mark. If he is fully healthy to come back this season, we've been seeing him in camp already, tossing and slinging the ball around. He looks okay. Um, it doesn't look like he had any limitations on that arm. So, I mean, if he is healthy, um, I, I think this offense goes back to what they were. Maybe not necessarily the, the with the Antonio Brown days uh, being that electric, but they will be a, a lot better, obviously, than what they were with the patch-made solutions at the position last season. Again, with the offensive line, I won't go through all the names, but this, again, is one of the better offensive lines in the entire NFL. I mean, I could literally rank the Steelers in my top five without even thinking twice. This line is behemoth it's mammoth and they will set the tone like they have done for several seasons especially with uh, Marquise Pouncey uh, running the show at the center position offensive line is just fully stacked so when we talk about the running back position before we tie it all together I mean you have James Conner returning I've seen the workout film he spent looks like he has spent majority of his offseason in the in the weight room lifting and he looks good I mean physically he looks good. The problem that I have with James Conner has been and continues to be his injury problems. How can you trust this man uh, to, to carry the load? Um, he showed well when he, he took over for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, he found great chemistry with Ben Roethlisberger. He found the end zone well. He was putting up good numbers last year uh, also. I believe he was a 14.9 in fantasy PPR scoring. Um, but I mean, when it comes to James Conner, I'm at the point that I really truly need to see a full season of full health before I can trust and say that he is that running back for this team. So when it comes to James Conner, the talent isn't the question. I, I believe James Conner has all the talent and the ability to be that true number Number one back no question about it but again it's the health risk it's he just seems to always find an ailment that puts him in the medical room and he's not there for a game two games or three games I mean it just always is the case I just I really want to see that rectified before I can throw massive trust his way so when we continue down the running back uh, board we do see a rookie that I am super excited about and that's Anthony McFarland Jr. If you go back and look at this kid's tape we did a lot of review on him this offseason, and he is literally littered with rocket acceleration and great speed. When you turn on his film, he just bursts through that line, and he is literally gone. A lot of people wanted to compare him to Jamal Charles in the same uh, uh, running style and ability, and I was almost there, but I really I, I comped him as a Felix Jones, and a lot of people are going to uh, hum and haw and scoff at that, that comp uh, on him, um, but if you go back and look at what Felix Jones should have been, I mean, Felix Jones was good. He was highly touted coming out of college. His NFL career just never materialized to what it should have been. Um, that's kind of how I see Anthony McFarland. He is so explosive. He is good on the break tackle. I mean, this is surprising, but he is kind of like that in Jamal Charles where Charles did use his speed, but he could also break tackles enough to make uh, make guys uh, miss. Um, he's not afraid of contact. Anthony McFarlane, I'm speaking of, he's got great body control. His inside and outside runs is absolutely no issue whatsoever. And I mean, injuries still are a little bit of a concern as well. I, I He does have the knees, I believe, which, which did kind of put me at a little bit of a pause to continue to preach, but I really like his ability. Anthony McFarlane will have his opportunity this season in 2020. I know they have uh, other running backs ahead of him on the depth chart. They have Benny Snell Jr. They have Trey Edmonds, um, but I, I really believe that you're going to see Anthony McFarlane jump them if Connor goes down uh, with some injury and you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about with that speed highlighted on the field once he takes off moving to the wide receivers we do have the man also coming back from injury and that is of course Juju Smith-Schuster 
this was huge. I mean, we know he left last year. I mean, it was patch made solutions, like I said, at the quarterback position with Mason Rudolph and others coming into play. And and Juju, he he got hurt himself and his season was basically a wash. Um, based on how Pittsburgh performed last year in in the circumstances they were in, would they have done better with Juju? Probably not. I mean, okay, what would Juju have gotten you? One victory, two victories more? Uh, but that's a basically it. When you have Ben Roethlisberger on this offense, able to spread the field as much as they can, my biggest problem with Juju was going into last season, forget about the injury, this was about evaluation in 2019 offseason. Um, my concern was that was when we saw Antonio Brown leave uh, and go to uh, Oakland. So my issue at hand there was, was Juju ready to be that number one prolific wide receiver that could carry an offense? And I still kind of have my questions on it. I love Juju. I think he's got talent for days. But is he the true number one wide receiver? I mean, people want to basically crown him that already because we saw him eat up, what, 160 targets? Uh, what was it, like 1,200, 1,300 yards? I, I'd have to look back at the stat books. But that's with Antonio Brown on the other side of the field. They both saw over, what, 160 targets that season. I mean, that's ridiculous. It was, it was pick your poison for Big Ben and the defense has just had to try and stop one of them um, we haven't seen a full season of Smith Schuster by himself as the true number one guy and what can he do will he put up those same numbers are we going to get 95 catches 1350 and 10 touchdowns from Juju this season I have my questions I have my questions on that and uh, and it's not out of the question to see it but I, I really uh, uh, wonder if that's what's going to come to fruition however with that said now that we jump into the 2020 offseason with what Pittsburgh has done and don't discount that whatsoever because Pittsburgh is one of the best teams in the entire league at drafting and developing wide receivers year after year after year I mean we've seen it Antonio Brown was a six-round pick I mean this is how they build they know how to get great wide receivers on this club and they have some dandies to help Juju Smith-Schuster, which will uh, move my argument from can he be the number one guy to yes, he can, simply because of his supporting cast. And when we talk about that supporting cast, we talk about Deontay Johnson first and foremost. This kid showed me something extreme last season playing with Mason Rudolph, playing with that Hodges kid who was the third-string quarterback, Davlin Hodges, or Devlin Hodges, and, and he was producing, man. He is an electric playmaker in that slot. I think that you will see him be um, kind of what Juju was to Antonio Brown. This will be a season, I think, that Pittsburgh utilizes Johnson so that they can see what they have in him. Last year was kind of the test run. This year is going to kind of be the breakout party. I truly, truly believe that. They have James Washington, who will likely play the other side, outside to, to Smith, uh, Schuster, and, and, and then you're going to see uh, Deontay Johnson eating all everything across the middle. Then you have a draft pick named Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. This guy is a mammoth of a wide receiver. He is something that this offense hasn't had since the Plaxico Burst days. This guy is six foot four, weighing two thirty eight. I mean, he is going to be your red zone target for Big Ben all day long. Once they get him on the field, I mean, he's going to be the mismatch. And I and I wrote this in the ADF playbook in the draft guide that Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson could be the reason that the Pittsburgh Steelers let Juju Smith-Schuster walk in free agency next offseason. That could be what will come to fruition if these guys actually show out extremely well. Why pay Juju the money? And then that'll go to my argument also to say, is he the true elite wide receiver one? These are the questions that we're going to see answered this season. I have these questions. I want to see them answered. I'm telling you right now that this is how I could see this train moving. Chase Claypool takes on a bigger role. James Washington, he will have a role just because he is good enough to be there. And then you have Johnson being that second fiddle to Juju, and then Juju has to prove 
if he is worth the money to be that number one wide receiver. Lots of interesting dynamics coming from this offense, and I think it's going to be extremely interesting to watch. Last but not least, we have the tight end position with Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald. I loved the Eric Ebron signing um, this offseason. I was a little shocked that Ebron went to Pittsburgh, but when he did, I mean, it's hard not to like the potential of what could be. When we're talking about fantasy football, we're talking about stats. Eric Ebron is just two seasons removed from playing with Andrew Luck and being, what, the third or fourth best tight end in all of football, PPR formats. And people want to think that all of a sudden, because Jacoby Brissett took over from Andrew Luck when he retired, and then Ebron's numbers naturally went downhill, and they want to blame that all on Ebron. Uh, I mean, come on. Let's let's be realistic here and understand what had happened. Andrew Luck is, was an elite quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger is, is more than equipped to handle a full receiving core, as we've seen in the history with Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he has been able to support top-end talent, and this is going to be no different. Eric Ebron is going to eat as well. He will not go hungry this season. You will see the rise once again of Eric Ebron. If he can clean up his drop passes, he's one of those players. If he's wide open, he drops it. If he's in contested coverage, he's going to catch everything that comes his way. I think that uh, uh, with the history of Ben Roethlisberger, it's been known that he supports his tight end position extremely well, and this will be no different. So I, I, I like this offense a lot. I think they're built extremely well. And then Ebron is another one of those guys who could uh, allow Juju Smith-Schuster the choice to keep him or sign him to to allow the Steelers front office to let him uh, test the open waters. I like this offense a lot. Barring health, of course, is the biggest issue, but I, I like this offense a lot, and they will have the ability to challenge uh, the Baltimore Ravens. When it comes to the defense, what is there not to like about this defense? It is absolutely loaded. Their front line with Cameron Hayward and Steven Tuitt, I mean, they are just beasts up front. They will stop anybody coming through the middle. You, you, you still have Tyson Alu-Alu. He came over. I mean, that's some depth piece as well. Just going to add to it. But when we talk about this linebacking core, is this one of the greatest linebacking cores in the entire league? It just might be. You have TJ Watt. You have Devin Bush Jr. And you have Bud Dupree. And then not to forget, you have Vince Williams. Watt and Bud Dupree are two of the primary rushers in this league. Let's not get that twisted. These guys will feast once again in 2020, barring health, of course. But, I mean, then you had Devin Bush come in as a rookie last season. He replaced uh, Ryan Shazier, who went down with that uh, terrible neck injury a couple years prior. And Bush came in and basically replaced that formula again. Um, this, this linebacking core is just a force. And when you have a front line who can dictate the uh, uh, the scheming and the and the holes, um, you're gonna see you're gonna see again T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree just just eat all over the field. When we jump into the secondary, you got Joe Hayden. You had Terrell Edmonds, another huge one last year for the rookies. You had Steven Nelson. I like this defensive back core, and of course they added Minka Fitzpatrick from the Miami Dolphins. Minka Fitzpatrick changed the entire outlook of this secondary. I mean, Joe Hayden, he's he's good. He's a baller. We saw it in his days in, in Cleveland. He came to Pittsburgh, and he's played nothing but stout uh, since coming over. The main problem that we've seen in the defensive back room is having that extra supportive piece to help Joe Hayden. And now this year they got Steven Nelson from the Kansas City Chiefs. This was a good sign for me. I mean, Nelson isn't one that's going to make you take notice week in, week out of his ability. But there's more than enough to be that guy to help this defense continue to grow. Now you have a good one-two punch. You have Terrell Edmonds, who has proven that he can play strong safety with the best of them. He's very opportunistic. He's very good in run support. And then you got Minka Fitzpatrick, who, like I said, basically changed the entire identity of this defense. I mean, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree are your, your go-to guys, your playmakers to rush the quarterback. But when Fitzpatrick came, it allowed this defense to do so many other things 
and and it was just turnover central. It was it was stopping teams over and over and over again. Could you imagine what they could have done had they had Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball every single time they got the offense back last season, got the ball back to the offense last season, they just gave it back to the other team. It was either a three and out or a turnover on their end. So, I mean, now with this defense having a potential of an offense to hold the ball, to move the ball so they can stay fresh, lock teams down, you could see a Pittsburgh team that is ready to challenge these Baltimore Ravens. And I know that sounds crazy, but, I mean, if they can, and that is that is the main mantra and the main notion that I'm going for, Pittsburgh must remain healthy. If you can stay healthy, you got the weapons to challenge them. Without question, in my mind, you have the weapons to challenge the Baltimore Ravens um, this season. Um, I, I still i am not going to say that it's going to happen, but you can definitely see um, it is there to challenge. So last but not least, let's move to the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a team... And I feel for you, Cincinnati. Um, you've been waiting a very long time. I mean, the Andy Dalton days um, with the AJ Green in their prime, in their youth, they got you to the playoffs. I mean, you you can't you can't say they didn't do well. Um, but it was always round one and done. That was your excitement. I mean, you could win the division, you could win the wild card, you'd get in the first round, and then it's an early exit, and you're golfing. Um, so, I mean, that was the issue for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, now you brought in new head coach last season after, uh, getting rid of Marvin Lewis after how many years, what, 14, 15 years as the head coach. I mean, it was overdue. They needed a change. They bring in Zach Taylor, who is an offensive minded genius in his own right. I think he is learning first. The first year as a head coach, I think was valuable, um, for his development as that head coach. He comes out of the Sean McVay, um, coaching tree. Um, so I, I, I like him a lot. I think he's got a lot of ability. Uh, Zach Taylor, the head coach, I think he's got a ton of ability and he will really elevate this offense this season. And why is that? Because we'll start at the quarterback position. AJ Dalton is no longer on the team and that's because they drafted uh, rookie superstar potential product, Joe Burrow from LSU. What can you say about Joe Burrow? That How can you dislike what he's done? I mean, his, his college career has gone through some uh, tribulation, going to Ohio State, never having the chance to play, transferring over to LSU, uh, getting his chance last season, and then winning the national championship on that stacked offense, which they did have. Um, he is good, though. I, I've, I've dissected his tape. There's really nothing to dislike. I mean, the footwork is there. He's a mobile guy. His vision is great down the field. He has an accurate arm. Uh, is it elite, his arm, like a Patrick Mahomes? I would probably say no, but he's got more than enough to sling it down the field um, and, and support an offense that wants to go deep. Burrow is going to be, uh, I, I believe he's going to be the real deal. Um, he, he has the smarts, he's an intelligent guy, and, and if he can work with his team, I think he's going to be a revelation for the Cincinnati Bengal fans, and, and you finally got your franchise quarterback to, to hopefully hit you some home runs. This is the problem I still am cringing on in his rookie season, is the offensive line. I mean... Yes, it starts here always with me. I mean, if you if you listen to my work, you read my work, you know that it always starts on the offensive and defensive lines for me when you're building a franchise. Yes, you need the quarterback. Absolutely, you do. Um, but if, you, if you're able to, like this situation, you're able to get your franchise quarterback before your offensive line is put in place. I mean, that's just how it goes. But now the next step is building out this offensive line so you can give them the protection. Otherwise, it happens to be just like Andrew Luck had. He had no offensive line his basically his entire career forces him to retire and now look the Indianapolis Colts have one of the best offensive lines in all of football so I mean that sucks right I mean you need to build an offensive line for Burrow and this year's uh, uh, team of, of linemen likely won't get it done I mean yes you get Bobby Hart back um, and, and I mean you have Jonah Williams who was a young guy on the bookends you have Billy Price still there um, I, I still am questioning, I'm really questioning how good they're going to be um, this season. I think it's going to be very tough sledding for them, and Burrow's going to be running for his life quite a bit. When it comes to the running back position, you have Joe Mixon, and this guy is ready to take off, in my opinion. 
Joe Mixon would have been a first-round selection in his draft year had it not been for the indiscretions in college uh, where he was found uh, uh, hitting a female in, in, I believe it was a burger joint. Um, this is what stopped him from being that first-round pick. It was the off-field question marks. Could he be a better person, be a better human being? And he's he's proven it. I mean, we haven't really heard anything uh, off the field about Joe Mixon since being in the league. Yes, he's dealt with a couple injuries that has held him out a couple games, but he's done nothing but produce on very bad Bengals teams. This is something you need to take notice. Big time for fantasy football. His team is now his team now has a viable shot with a quarterback. You will be more competitive, no question about it, and the workload will continue to go to Joe Mixon because there is nobody really behind him outside of Giovanni Bernard. You have this kid, Rodney Anderson. He's on the pup starting uh, camp, but, I mean, he's got some potential. He is a different back, so if they ever do want to go into a – tandem approach he uh, Anderson is six foot 224 so he is the absolute opposite type of back to complement Joe Mixon um, if they choose to go down that path Giovanni Bernard kind of mirrors uh, a lighter skill set of Mixon who can play both uh, run and catch but I mean outside of that Mixon is going to see the heavy workload once again this season and he is one of my uh, favorites Uh, for fantasy football, no question about that. When it comes to this receiving core, I actually really like this core a lot. There's a lot of working pieces. Yes, the biggest question mark is A.J. Green. Is he washed or have the injuries just taken his toll? Um, Will we see... AJ lose a step because it's that foot, I believe, again, that ankle problem. I mean, this is what has plagued him over the last three seasons. We've seen him go down more than once with that leg injury, and and I'm curious to see how he comes back from this. I'm still a believer in AJ Green. I love the talent, always have been a supporter of his work, and I think uh, his presence will be invaluable to this man, rookie T. Higgins, coming from Clemson. T. Higgins, to me... Um, is very similar to A.J. Green, but in my comp, I believe I had him as Alshon Jeffrey. Um, Coming out of Clemson, he has great size. His speed is uh, somewhat average, kind of like Alshon Jeffrey, but more than enough to get it. He's a long strider, uh, T. Higgins is. So this is kind of what makes him sort of unique because Jeffrey isn't that way. But, I mean, when you watch them play, the similarities are all over the body type, the way that they catch the ball, the way they run their routes. But when you see T. Higgins, the reason he fell in the draft simply was because he didn't test well. The combine measurables just were not there. Um, his speed, his 40 time, his agility, it, it just looked like lack of effort, in my opinion. When you watch his film, the effort is always there. His long stride ability will let him get open, um, and he does create separation. He's great at high pointing the ball. His body control is fantastic. He wins contested catches, and he consistently gets separation. This is what you want from your wide receivers. T. Higgins, to me, Um, went overlooked in this draft process based on testing measurables, and I think that was a big mistake for a lot of teams that really required a number one wide receiver. T. Higgins will be that guy once A.J. Green is either let go or retires, which could be next season. And following that up, you do have Tyler Boyd, who has filled in admirably um, in the absence of A.J. Green. I mean, Boyd is one of these guys to me um, that he is he's a fabulous uh, secondary piece. Do I ever believe he will be a top guy? No. Um, I think he he give he is what he is. Um, he's kind of that mid speed range. He can get open. He can catch the ball, but he's never one of these guys that'll take over a game. That's how I kind of see Tyler Boyd. I think he's a valuable uh, valuable piece to this offense, and he will continue to be. Um, and especially when you now have the three of them, it, it just makes for a very very difficult offense to stop. And this is what Zach Taylor is going to try to employ, kind of like the Sean McVay thing when they had uh, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, and um, Cooper Cup. I mean, this is kind of the similar type of style you're going to see from the Bengals offense this season, especially when they don't really have a tight end. You have Drew Sapple, you have CJ Uzuma. These guys are just fill-ins. I mean, they don't have an elite tight end. So you're going to run three wide-out sets, one back with Mixon in the backfield, and hope for the best. I mean, you're going to keep uh, one of your tight ends on the line, perhaps to block from time to time. Um, but this 
is going to be your offense. You're going to see a lot of three wide sets, which could also help in in lacking on rushing ability towards sacking Joe Burrow. I mean, this could also be a major help as well. So I, I like to see that also. You do have Arden Tate. He was showing decent last year. He's definitely serviceable. And you have John Ross the third and Alex Erickson. So John Ross, to me, he is that guy who was that ultimate speedster that everyone wanted uh, to turn out to be a great uh, wide receiver in this league. Just never panned out just yet. Injuries have killed his career also. I think if you just put him in that secondary role, that third third role where you need a field burner to stretch the field if the safeties are pinching deep. I mean, that's going to be his role. I don't see him out outshining T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd to earn more playing time. But this offense has potential, and they're building. This is what you want to see as a Bengals fan. They are building in the correct manner. You have the right coach behind the bench. He is going to call the plays to make them look more explosive, and they will be competitive. This is what you want to see. It's the building blocks. Now you are in year one. Last year was just a wash. Get rid of last year. Don't even talk about that in the Zach Taylor tenure. This is year one. Joe Burrow, new franchise quarterback. Let's see what they can do offensively. As for the defense, I mean, you still have a very beefy front. I mean, you have Carlos Dunlap coming back. You have Geno Atkins. He has been there forever. They got DJ Reader from the Houston Texans, which is massive for the nose. I mean, they are going to stop teams on the ground. You really need to watch this. They may get killed in the air. Um, but they will not let people run on them this season, okay? And then on top of that, you got Sam Hubbard, Hubbard, sorry, excuse me, on the right defensive end. I mean, this team, they have depth. They have Carl Lawson waiting in the uh, in the uh, wings as well. He will get playing time in that rotation. I mean, this defensive front to me is very, very strong. Where I am concerned is their linebacking core once again. I mean, it is extremely average, um, if not below average. Um, they really need some work. I mean, this draft definitely was um, lean on top end talent at the linebacker position, and it shows that they just couldn't get one on. Um, this club the free agent market was picked bare I was shocked that they didn't go after a guy like Nigel Bradham he was on the open market for a very long time he just got scooped up by the New Orleans Saints I, I was baffled that the the Cleveland Browns didn't pick him up because I think that would have added a massive dynamic to this defense even more so when we start talking about the secondary they did improve but I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic with that improvement. They snagged Alexander McKenzie and Trey Waynes, or sorry, McKenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes from um, the Minnesota Vikings. They got both of them to come on over, and, and that's going to help. I mean, Trey Waynes is good enough. He isn't great. Same with McKenzie Alexander. I mean, he is okay. He hasn't shown to be great, but it will be a definite improvement to what they had on the field last uh, season. You did bring in Von Bell from New Orleans as your depth piece at the at the safety position, which will also help the cause. And then, of course, you got Steve, uh, Sean Williams and Jesse Bates III. Fantastic safety combo. Um, you could use an upgrade potentially, out of Sean Williams, but Jesse Bates a third. I'm a huge fan. I think this guy's got all the makings to be that quarterback on the defensive side. So this team isn't terrible. I mean, when you look at them for on paper from top to bottom, they aren't terrible. Where they do lack is on that offensive line, is in the linebacking core, and you really do have secondary pieces uh, putting together your secondary. Um, uh, they're not top end all-star pieces. You would like to see someone like a Patrick Peterson type player on that defense to, to start it. And then you got Trey, uh, Waynes to, to kind of even it out with, uh, with Alexander or Mackenzie Alexander. So, I mean, this team is improving. If you're Cincinnati, I would definitely be encouraged. So, I mean, that is the AFC North. I mean, again, kind of like the AFC South, you have three teams that are capable in vying for the division lead. I still am going to go and say that the Baltimore Ravens will win this division. It won't be as easy as it was last year, I'll tell you that much. Um, I, I, I do believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers have the best chance to dethrone them. Um, but I, 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 it's likely not to happen. And then you got the Cleveland Browns. 
also up and coming with a with a very sound squad. But um, when it comes to the Browns, I think they still might finish. They could finish second. I mean, they're gonna their challenge is gonna be who is in that second spot. I don't see the Browns winning this division simply because you have another new coach, you have another new system. We had no off season, we had no training camp simply because of COVID nineteen. So that's gonna hamper the Cleveland Browns and their progression this year. With the Ravens, you have the chemistry built already. You have the same coaches. You have Mike Tomlin. You have John uh, John Harbaugh. So I think that's where I, I'm going to put my money. This division is going to be a two-horse race. It's going to be Pittsburgh. It's going to be Baltimore. And I still think Baltimore edges Pittsburgh out, and the Steelers probably get a wild card. So, I mean, on that note, that is the show. Thanks for tuning in. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. The ADF Playbook, of course, is on sale now on Amazon, on the bookshelves. Get your copy today. You will not regret it. So, again, to all the listeners, we truly appreciate you. Until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.